Well, hello everyone and welcome back to the Paint Me, Sculpt Me, Build Me podcast. I'm your host, Nuria, and today we are officially starting with the art history content that you all came here for. And this first episode is about a topic that I am pretty excited about because honestly... So what made me fall in love with the Renaissance is just one of the things that come into place. But the change of mentality that art suffers when Italy, especially in Florence, enters the Renaissance. So when Italy enters the Renaissance, at the very start of the 15th century, we're gonna start to see a change of mentality towards the artist's figure, like his formation and who he's associated with, mostly economically. This is gonna be a big change, uh, especially because one of the main purposes that artists in the Renaissance will have is try to elevate art to the same level as other intellectual as other intellectual um, subjects such as literature or science in general. So one of the ways they're gonna do so is by getting hooked up to important patrons that will that will economically support them. And these patrons used to be either, you know, the very famous family, the Medici from Florence. Like, that's pretty much what you, when you think of a patron, you think of the Medicis, right? But not only um, bourgeois families like the Medicis, but also when Renaissance takes over Rome when everyone goes to Rome to go work at the Vatican. One of the main patrons that the artists such as Leonardo or Michelangelo are gonna have is the popes such as Julius II or Lion Tenth. So pretty much the patrons are any economically powerful family or individual 
that can afford to financially support an artist. And not only financially, but also patrons play a big part in the artist's formation. Because the artist, yes, they do receive their formation at a with a with a master but that's not the only formation they they are receiving anymore because yes in the middle ages artists were pretty much just artisans and their work wasn't really considered intellectual but from now on during the renaissance it is going to become an intellectual because like i said these powerful people powerful families or powerful individuals in general, they are providing the artists with financial support. They are providing the artists with documents, with books, with meetings with other intellectuals, such as writers, such as scientists. And this is all going to be so culturally enriching for them because... One of the things that changes when we enter the Renaissance is that back in the Middle Ages, like people knew about the ancient art of Greece and Rome, but they didn't really care about it. And one of the reasons they di they didn't care about it is because back in the in the fourth century A.D., people, especially Christians, they um, rejected every type of art, which was mainly like the Roman and Greek. Every type of art that was pagan, so that was not Christian, because at that time they were being chased and they were being threatened by Rome. And they were trying to create an art that represented them and didn't want anything to do with the Romans or any other culture that wasn't Christian, basically. So, starting from the from Milan's edict at three thirteen, that is when Christianity as a religion is legalized, and later on with the Emperor Constantine, it will be implemented as the main religion of the. Orient Roman Empire. So it will be the official religion, Christianity. And they will establish their base at the city of Constantinople, which is nowadays Istanbul in Turkey, and is establishing a new Roman Empire, but Christianized, if that makes sense. So during the Middle Ages, people did ignore ancient art because of this, because it wasn't Christian. But Later on, when we enter the Renaissance, like, people knew, like, ancient art was a thing, you know? They knew about it, but they just, beforehand, during the Middle Ages, they had spent, like, a thousand years without being in touch with it, because they rejected it and wanted nothing to do with it. So, there is a change of mentality in the, in the Renaissance, in Italy especially, because people are going to realize that regardless of if it's a pagan art or if it's Christian or whatever it is, 
Like it is a very valuable art and it is something that they can take lessons from, you know? Everything the Romans and the Greeks implemented in their art is gonna be considered very valuable knowledge for people in the Renaissance because they realize that for this new art, like they're gonna get in touch with all of the treaties that were written back then with all of the, yeah, all of the documents and all of the books that intellectuals such as Vitruvius or Praxitalus, Amphidius and all of these really clever people back then, they were writing about it. And the, it, it, all of that knowledge was so valued back then, but it had not been valued for a thousand years. And they were like, well, I, I do find this valuable, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn from it, and I want to know what they had to say about certain things. I want to know what they had to say about architecture, what they had to say about sculpture, what they had to say about philosophy. So they get in touch with all of these documents, books, treaties, and they just become interested in them and want to learn about them. And how are they going to learn about them? Well, they're going to put to practice what they are reading. So, for instance, if they read a book about how to make a sculpture in bronze, they're going to practice the technique until they get it perfect, which is what a sculptor named Giverti did when he was when he won the contest of the baptistery of the of Florence Cathedral and he had to do the figures for the doors for you've probably heard about the doorways to paradise Ghiberti is gonna want to learn how the technique of bronze was done and he is gonna imitate it and he's gonna perfection it and he is gonna get in touch with every valuable piece of information that it's given to him by these treaties and these documents. So by reading all of these documents, they had all of a sudden become interested in it and knowing how to create art. And they had also become interested in creating an art that not only brought a message, but also was beautiful aesthetically, you know, that was aesthetically pleasing because they learned about the proportions, they learned about all the sciences that went behind, for example, sculpture, which was one of the main arts in the ancient art. And they are going to want to learn about anatomy, they're going to want to learn about math, they're going to want to learn about optical illusions, and they're just going to not only be people that can sculpt or that can build a building or that can paint, they're also gonna become... I can't find the words right now for this. <laughs> they're gonna become... They're gonna basically elevate art to the level of other intellectual sciences. Because not only do they dominate the techniques, they also know about the sciences that go behind them. And they also know about philosophy, they know about 
architecture, they know about sculpture, they know about math, they know about biology, you know? So it is a whole study that goes behind the art process now, because if we go to examples like Leonardo, to me, and I think to everyone that understands a little bit about art, Leonardo is the artist, especially the painter, that perfectly represents the humanist artist, you know, because he considers all the sciences important and not only considers all the sciences important in order to be able to paint he considers that especially painting is the supreme art why is that he considers that painting is the supreme art because to him painting is the only art that can not only imitate real life and what we see in nature and what we see on our day-to-day, -day, but it can also imitate all of the other arts. And that conception and the deep studies that he does about anatomy, that he does about plants, that he does about the way our eyes work, all of those studies that go behind his work make him a humanist artist. Now, about this term, being a humanist, what does this mean exactly? Well, being a humanist in the 15th century and in the 16th as well, being a humanist doesn't necessarily mean that you, as an artist, only focus on the human figure. Because if you have heard someone talk to you about Renaissance. You've probably heard that the Renaissance is an art that changes from the theocentrism, which is everything is focused on God and religion, to the anthropocentrism. And not exactly, because by saying that, what they're trying to say is they completely forget about God. And that's not the case at all, because Let's remember, Europe was pretty much entirely Christianized, including Italy. Like, in Italy, there's the Vatican, where the Pope resides, you know? Like, they can't escape Christianity like that. They just can't. And everyone was still a Christian. Like, not many years before the Renaissance started, they were still building cathedrals, you know? They were still building cathedrals with, I know, that gothic mentality of just creating a massive, tall building that could help the Christian come closer to God. Yeah, that was the mentality. But it's not like they reject that mentality. It's more... They realize that art is not only about bringing a message, it is about also the studies and the perfectioning the technique and the elevating it and becoming, make it become something that's intellectual and making it 
seem to society that art is an intellectual practice and it is just as valuable as literature or as any other science. So that's the change right there in, in the Renaissance. And no, they don't forget about Christianity because if you look at pretty much any Renaissance piece, you will find that a lot of them, I would say like 98% of them, the theme of them, especially in paintings, and in, in some in some sculptures too, but in paintings, like 98% of the paintings are representing a theme from the Bible or a theme related to Christianity. You know, like art doesn't, doesn't forget about Christianity and focuses on mythology. Like, yes, you have myth mythological paintings like the ones that Botticelli does. Yeah, you have those, but like Botticelli's entire work isn't mythological. Like he does still a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of Christian pieces. So no, they didn't forget about Christianity at all. Like Christianity was still a thing. Christianity was still important to them. Like if Christianity wasn't important to them, then the popes at the moment wouldn't have asked them to work at the Vatican or any any person from related to the Catholic Church wouldn't have asked the artists to work for their for their church or for you know, like, no, they didn't forget about Christianity. Christianity was still a thing. It was very present. It was not the main focus. That's true. But it was still there. Okay, it was still there. Now, this is the change of mentality in the Renaissance. And this is where we see the transition from medieval to modern art. Which modern isn't the art that we nowadays call modern. Okay, like... It's not. Modern art is the art that that includes the Renaissance, it includes the Manierism, it includes the Baroque, and it includes the Neoclassicism. Okay. All of the vanguards and art after that are contemporary. So that is the change of mentality in the Renaissance that happens right there. There you have it. And honestly, this topic was something that I was really excited to talk about and that I was pretty passionate, I guess you could say. I don't know, it's something that has always amazed me. And I really hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. So yeah, just stay tuned for more of these and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye!